Only a recording. A recording. Well, they told me if you walk away for the first three that appear three or four times, then you get the you know the ultimate Pikachu turn up, and then I had to pull myself off a roundabout and then slot <laughs> my hazards on. Because certainly you should be Pokemon and dry, that's for sure. Actually, I, I tried it and tried to catch a Weedle, and the Pokeball just kept going through it. And I was like, fuck this, so I deleted it. <laughs> and I caught three Pidgeys, and then dang froze, and then went back on, I'd only caught one Pidgey. It's been freezing for me, but it's just telling me that I've seen it. So it's like, there's an outline yet in my Pokedex, but it doesn't actually catch it. Fucking shit, man. Welcome to Scott and Liam vs. Evil, episode 21, where we'll talk about Creep and The Invitation, two movies that are on Netflix. Yes, they are. We've started deep. When a videographer answers a Craigslist ad for a one-day job in a remote mountain town, he finds his client is not at all what he initially seems. It's directed by Patrick Bryce, written by Patrick Bryce and Mark Duplass, who you may remember is part of the, well, one of the Duplass brothers who produced Bad Milo and nice. a few other movies. And they kind of, it's, it's like a two-hander. It was both of them that wrote it. One of them directed it. The only characters in the whole movie are they two. And it was produced by Jason Blum from Blumhouse, who obviously that. are behind the paranormal activity. Shit shows of a film. <laughs> so, what do you think, you keep? Well, I've written at the start here, I didn't read the synopsis in this, so I have genuinely no idea what's going on. And that's how, how my note started. Uh, and it took me a while before I kind of got the gist of what was actually going on. But I said, wherever this is set, it looks like my America. See, like when the vet started, he's driving through the woods. I was like, that's exactly in America where I want to be. Not in this fucking cop shooting black guys in a place, man. I don't want to be anywhere near that. But normal America. Yeah, black lives matter, yo. Um, but, you know, there's something to start off, right? So he's like saying, they give him this story about how he's, I want you to film, because I've got cancer, uh, I beat it once and it's came back and my wife's going to have a baby. Uh, so I want you just to film a day in life of me just doing my normal things to, to so my son can see who I am because I'll be dead before he's born. And you think, right, okay, we know that's that's something's weird about it because the gist of the film is, you know, it's it's not straightforward, is that? It's not called Normal Man. <laughs> it's not, it's it's normal not, man it's not called uh, Touching, touching Biography of Man. It's, um, so it, it begins, the first thing he does after hugs him a couple of times is uh, jumps in the bath. Tubby time. Tubby time. It's so fucking my tubby weird. time's still my favourite time of the day, man. It needs to be monthly now because I only see my dad every so often, but I was there the day, it was quite, it was quite good. <laughs> How big is that bath? It's huge. <laughs> you look fucking seven and a half foot tall. Yeah, that's a pretty big bath. Yeah. <laughs> the tubby time bit was really off-putting. See when he's, he's like miming, rubbing the baby's head. Yeah. Oh, well, oh, I've also wrote, I wrote under that because he, he called his, uh, his baby buddy, that they say he's got called it, and I said, this guy's going to kill his imaginary buddy by the end of this movie. That's what I thought it was going. I thought he was going to kill the baby or the imaginary baby. He plays it quite well. He didn't know he does play it quite well. Definitely does play it quite well. You go pretty quickly. You got There's a couple of jump scares like, in it, and because it's a handheld camera, you're supposed to be seeing it from his perspective, but it's not obviously it's not truly his perspective. It's from the camera's point mm-hmm. of view. Um, so you get a jump scare uh, almost immediately when the guy comes to the window. You get a jump scare when he pretends to drown in the bath. And then you get a jump scare when the boy goes to the cupboard and finds peach fuzz. Yeah. And uh, it's like, what is the point in peach fuzz? Like, have you seen the poster, the alternate poster? I've it's, seen it. It's that peach fuzz. <laughs> now, I now understand the alternate poster uh, and uh, the talk about peach fuzz. But you just, I think I've written what's the point in peach fuzz when he was doing the um, doing the V singing song and dance at peach fuzz. I guess just to show that the guys well completely lost. That is my part. that's my next note. I'm only fifty minutes in and already I'd be like, fuck your job, mate. Yeah. Out of here. Okay. <laughs> He's only making a thousand dollars a day. It's not worth it for a guy who dresses up as a wolf and dances. A thousand, well, you know, a thousand dollars a day. I can be pretty <laughs> tempted. I need to see how that. I need to actually put that one out. 
Mark Duplass is obviously kind of very mainstream now. He was in the Mindy Project, which yeah. I think is probably the worst thing that's ever graced TV. Mm. I, I never watched it, but um, I, I won't, I won't watch it on that recommendation. Uh, it's ch- oh, my recommendation. <laughs> Maybe that means you'll actually enjoy it. No, no, your recommendation has been pretty good because I enjoyed uh, Kimmy Schmidt, and I'm, I am currently enjoying Voltron. Oh really? Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, it was also in the league, which you watched like we we me and Scott play fantasy football. Mm-hmm. Well, I play fantasy football. Scott just tries to Steer, get stay through, off the ball. Yeah, get through <laughs> any week with a point. I just I just pick an entire team for the Dallas Cowboys and then regret it instantly. <laughs> so he's in uh, the the league, which is a sitcom about guys that run a fantasy league. It's actually really funny. He's the main guy. He's, he is, he's getting it to Yellowness as well, which is quite a big sitcom in America. I mm-hmm. just think it's produced by him and his brother. But he's still doing these wee quirky indie movies, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Because I think that's how they started out. So is that, do you think that's just because he's, he's remembering his roots, or is it one of those kind of red tape things in, in kind of movie land that it, it might have been filmed in like 2013, but that's it just coming out now? No, I think, he, I think he's probably like... Yeah, this is this is still, what I've done. Still doing I, I'm lucky that I've managed to make it with the, this other ship, apart from Mindy Project. So uh, yeah, let's throw a hand. Today, get obviously the guy in it is the guy that actually directed it. So maybe he's just a pal. But he's really he's fucking convincing. See, he's a weird looking guy. Yeah. And because I watched him first in the league, I always think he's a comedy actor. But he's very very unsettling in this. He's very. No, he is, I. But that's that's what I've written here as well. My next note is that every time the guy does something weird, he justifies it with a plausible reason. To begin with, for the mm-hmm. first like kind of three quarters of the movie, you're like, fair enough. That that is weird, and yeah, maybe you can you empathise with I, it. Maybe you should leave. But the reason he just gave is justifiable. I mean, that maybe does explain why he's just acting the way that he does. But I, acting wise, he definitely played it yeah. very very well. I, I, really I believe it. I like it as well. But obviously, we've done quite a few fine footage films. Fantasy films are totally they're done to death but they're always concentrating on such a wide group a, a, a wide array of shit this is probably the first fantasy film I've seen that concentrates solely on character building the whole thing is just about this well two characters but mainly the one character building the whole way through it Yeah, I thought that was more believable than some of the ones like they're running through the streets, zombies are coming and there's like eight different cameras filming it because that's not going to happen. If yeah. zombies are chasing you, you're not going to fucking film it. This is more that's, believable. That's, um, that's, that's right, that's what I always thought. I thought that when they give it all that, they, they put in a, a line that says that, somebody's got to document this. Like, oh, why? <laughs> Honestly, why? Because <laughs> I put the fucking camera down, run, get out, just fucking hurry up. That's give the cameras to the guy you hate and, right, come on, someone's got to film <laughs> it. You hang about at the back and film us. But yeah, this one still the whole when they were filming it, it still made sense for the camera to be on the whole time, the whole mm-hmm. time through. So yeah. it was, and I did, I did enjoy that. And like you're saying, but it's just two characters. It's just two characters in a house for the most part. Of this this movie, nobody else there, and it's just um, right lighting, good sound, mm-hmm. and you can make make your own movie if you've got a good script mm-hmm. and your acting's on. I point. don't know what the budget was in this, but I can't imagine, I can't imagine it, was, it being uh, overly high. I mean, I'm assuming it was it was a professional. Uh, a professional shoot with a crew on board that just stayed out of the mm-hmm. way and it was cleverly done but um, it was I mean that's sort of bit, that's, like I said it was always two, two actors and a, and a and it a sounded script. a lot of it sounded very ad-libbed as well like it was quite natural the way they were talking to each other and like the guy filming it the Patrick Brace was like as if he really was unsettled I think that- if I didn't recognise him from the league and stuff and walked into it I'd probably believe that that could be 
I really, that could be it real. Like a Blair Witch type thing if they used unknown actors. Yeah. But he plays it convincingly, so I really, really enjoy it. The thing as well, though, in this day and age, you could never, you can never convince. Like we said last time on that Witch episode, you can never convince an audience that people that's like you're watching a genuine like snuff film or whatever. Mm-hmm. However, it ends up, you know, you can never, you can never convince an audience that it's really genuine anymore because somebody would would let it. It's somebody always fucking right. Yeah, I started to think as I was going on, I was like. After like he, he encouraged him to go, he was ready to leave in the middle of night uh, at night, and he encouraged him to come back in the house for one whiskey. And I thought like, oh god, you're not getting back at the house, Andrew. There is no cancer, I'm betting. Um, if that was America and the guy said to you, come back in for a Jack Daniels, you would have went in. Oh, I, I can't. I'd never even wanted to leave in the first place. But I, <laughs> he had me at Toby time. <laughs> Uh, so he tells the story he tells him to turn off the camera but he leaves the sound on and he tells a story about how he goes out his wife had been looking up uh, animal porn on the computer and he goes out to does he buy he buys peach fuzz the mask yeah, he plays back mask. in the window and then uh, rapes her and then his uh, his some pretty ravenous sex wear he jumps out the window and then comes in the next day and asks her how her night was and she says ah it was okay now he kind of I wasn't sure if he was saying that she knew who he was or she didn't know who he was because it kind of gave the impression that it could, but then he goes on to say, I raped my own wife. And I'm like, mm, did you know? Because, you know, it's like she enjoyed it. <laughs> because... Is it still rape if she enjoys it? Yeah. Is it? Okay, all right, okay, all right, just check. I, I, I assume so. <laughs> I assume so. <laughs> uh, it may, to me, it sounded like she knew who it was when he said, oh, how was your night? And she said it was okay. And he said, he said something like, smile g- gave her yeah. a wee smile. That makes you think that, oh, it was okay. But let's not talk about it let's keep it a surprise yeah but maybe maybe not but, but then we also find out that the story didn't yeah, ever happen yeah, because yeah, it's not made up so it doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't even actually matter it's fucking fictional anyway and that was I think that's when it starts you, you know the whole thing it's going to be one of them's going to be the creep you know well, exactly you know him. That, again that's that's, that's the next thing I've written down here because when he brings him in for the whiskey he says okay I'll stay if I, the, the keys go missing the car keys go missing so the boy can't leave so he says I have one more whiskey I'll pour it he pours the guy we've been watching who's claims to have cancer a bigger whiskey and he drops something in it and I'm like, like who, I was like where who's who's the creep so I was confused that would have been quite a good twist because right. up until that point you're believing it's yeah. Mark Duplass's character Joseph but I think see if Mark Duplass played that a bit more ambiguous like a bit if he reined it back the creepiness near the start I think you'd be more partial to believe that alright it could be either one of them yeah I think he's just a bit too good at playing creepy. That yeah. You straight away, to me, you straight away knew, right? That's that's the fucking creepy bastard. So when when he's he's drugged him and he and he's passed it, he somehow takes him from the kitchen table to the fireplace and just leaves him in the fireplace mm-hmm. to then put the. That's probably the only bit where the cameras maybe are like yeah. Why? Right. So he moves the camera so we can see what's going on. As well. He goes in his pockets and uh, takes out his phone and that's when he speaks to the woman who claimed was his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, who claims to be his sister and says that Mark Duplass has got mental health problems and he better get out and he better get out <laughs> he better leave uh, you're in danger essentially so he comes back out there and then the, the, uh, the boy's off the fireplace but did you notice how the camera like goes it goes past and I don't know how I can describe this without actions but um, it kind of goes across the room notices that there's nobody in the fireplace and <gasps> jumps back dead quick like it's like a cartoon shock response <laughs> so the way the camera jumps back to look at the look at the fireplace and I was like there are, there are a few scenes where it is a bit cheesy. Yeah, it's done, but what, see if his sister thinks he's or says he's got mental health issues. How the fuck does he own that big fancy cabin? 
But you find it later on, he rented it. He just rented it for the week. Actually, I can't remember that, but... That's where it finds out. At the very end when he's talking. Where does he get the money for If he just goes about... job. his problems doesn't mean you don't have a job. Aye, but if he just goes about just putting adverts in and fucking being creepy and attacking folk. I suppose, actually, that's like a... If he spends all his time in the bath with invisible babies, <laughs> where's he making his money? That's probably that is because that's a lot of money actually when you think about how it, how it, how it ends. Um, I mean, if you could make money by bathing with invisible babies, show me, show me that <laughs> career path. I'll be, I'll be having tubby time all the time. <laughs> I thought I felt as if like like a bromance movie gone completely wrong. Yeah, like a really disturbing bromance movie. Once he leaves. The house he gets out of the house, and then he goes back to his own house. Yeah, it cuts to a scene about him like kind of going up, and I'm watching this scene and this boy's dragging these bags up the hill, and I'm like, because you think that originally you're supposed to think that he's this guy's killed or cameraman, and he's got to bury him in the woods. I'm watching, I think there's no fucking way there's body parts in those bags, and then it stops and it and it says that actually the guy did leave. He got out of the house, he got home, and he's safe. Uh, but a couple of days later, he got this movie in the mail from yeah. the creep. And it's just a video of him digging the holes in the woods. And he's like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be threatened or whatever. So, and also, by the way, he's shite at digging holes. I don't know if yeah, he's fucking very shite at digging holes. Um, Although, when we say that, we should maybe try to dig holes ourselves first. Maybe it's difficult. <laughs> maybe, maybe we it did look as if it was a lot, a lot of dried up, so maybe it was different in that, in that <laughs> area. He gets sent another package. Um, it's got another DVD in it and a knife and a, 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 like a baby wolf toy in it. And he phones the police and says that there's this guy stalking me, and he, you can hear him on the, the phone saying, like, oh, no, "I don't know his name, I don't know where he lives, but he's been at my house like clearly twice." And then he's like, "No, mum, say this is before he phones the police." The first thing he says when he takes out the um, the, the DVD that he gets given, he says, "Oh, I'll just pretend it didn't happen," or I don't know if he says that, but he just throws it in the bin. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "The fuck are you doing? It's phone the police!" At that point, I'd phone the police. This boy has beaten your house. He's clearly stalking you, and he's clearly harassing you. Like, don't just pretend that that, that, that that's not happened. It's hell, though. It probably happens all the time. Police <laughs> will just be like, "Whatever, mate." And then it escalates. Like, obviously, the, the scene which I thought was really good is when he wakes up in the middle of the night and he's speaking to the camera, saying, "Like, this is starting to creep me out a wee bit." And then he hears a noise, and he's like, "Oh, is it?" And he goes back to speaking, but then he hears a bang, and he gets up. And he checks all the house and he puts on the lights. Is that he's going to put the lights on, do this, yeah. do this, yeah. But I thought it was good that, exactly what we were talking about before, and this scene, the camera just happens to be on and pointing in the direction. It's not a focus point for any of the action. You know, yeah. He's not looking at the camera saying, what is that outside? As if I need to document and talk to the camera. As if like, the camera just happens to still be on yeah. and we can see what's going on. And then he obviously walks away for the, the, the view and into the back, uh, back room, at which point you see... Like a creep standing uh, outside the door on plain view of us, but not our, our protagonist, and and it's done really really well. I thought in that point, um, but the camera just happened to still be on was it was a really good touch because I really felt that was a more believable scene than it would have been if he had picked it up and ran about the yeah. And man about showing like yeah, like Ben that he gets on and holding it behind him so you could see behind him Aye. all that all that shit. Did you have you ever seen Hard Candy? Mm-hmm. Did you ever think it was a bit similar to that? And the whole you meet somebody online. And as always, they're not who they seem to be, and it just keeps getting darker and darker and darker. And obviously, and the way that you, you want to meet fifteen old girls online and they turn it between twenty-two year old lesbians, they might cut your buzz off. Exactly. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it's not someone like that at all. Then. Well, what about Bob? Have you seen the one about Bill Murray? Oh, I think I have seen it, but I'm not sure if I remember it or not. So he's like a mental patient and his psychiatrist goes on holiday with his family and Bill Murray just keeps turning up. Oh, so yeah. That's yeah, a yeah. really good film. Aye. 
it's like that where the same Mark Duplessis characters quite obviously you work with mental health you'll get it as well it's very like I empathise quite a bit see when I see someone that, that's not fully connected in their head they're not firing all cylinders I've got a lot of sympathy for them and even throughout the tummy time and stuff although it's creepy I'm still going I feel sorry for this guy there's something wrong yeah. same as what about Bob his son up with this guy he can't help it and then it just gets darker and darker and at the end to be honest I'm still cheering him on because the cameraman <laughs> I never really I never really connected with him no I didn't really connect with him either and then, you know when you kind of get to the end part of the movie he's he's only got yourself to blame mm-hmm. I've simply asked one question why didn't he look behind him and he's standing there for a while he, the the end scene is very, very well done. Oh, well, the end scene. The end scene is, is brilliant. He, he, he gets told to come and meet him. Uh, the creep sends him a, a last video and it seems to be like a genuine, I'm really sorry, I'm just really lonely. I just need to power. I don't know how to connect to people or the rest of it. And again, it sounds plausible. So he says, meet me here at the lake tomorrow. So he does. And he um, and he gets camera in his car and he says to the car, the camera, I'm going to leave it running and point it and I've got... 999 or 911 speed dial because like, if it was I, I, how, how, I mean I guess if you if you right, if you think the situation is that urgent that you cannot press 911 you need to speed dial three numbers then you should not just be sitting lazily and looking at the lake with the checking behind you you know what I mean and you, you deserve everything you get so he goes out his car and goes and sits on the bench and then we see uh, the creep slowly walk up behind him take out peach fuzz and put the mask on drop an axe like American Psycho and then take another couple of steps until what I'm pretty positive the shadow of him is now underneath so essentially it is looking under a protagonist's feet so again he should have sensed that somebody yeah, was behind him and then and a fantastic bit of practical effects or whatever it just looks brilliant it, it is so brutal rams it into the guy's head the only thing that maybe would made it better is if, if you seen him hitting him a couple more times and like chopping the head off or something no but, but I think that would have then made it too gory they made it too fucking teen slasher uh-huh. that just one brutal knock to the skull and then he goes to go again and the camera kind of cuts that's right that's the camera cuts that to me is more believable and more brutal because you just see it once like American History X the cabin yeah. he jumps in his head once that's all you need you don't need to keep doing it like you need to keep stabbing 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 although I think, I think in, in scenes where somebody gets stabbed like a hundred times and you see the person getting stabbed constantly I think that's more brutal than but after, it depends how it's done it depends how the scene is done and how the acting is done and how it's how it's delivered it can make a difference to one stab to because right, in two examples uh, and Adam Goldberg getting stabbed in uh, Save Private Ryan that one stab freaked me out I hated mm-hmm. that scene for just because he's looking him in the eyes and telling him he should be quiet uh, and then there's a scene and it's a it's a prison drama about I think it's like Mexicans or like so, like Latino Americans in jail it's I can't remember what it's called and um, the boy gets stabbed like about, about four guys and they just look like and then they throw him off the balcony and he follows doing in slow motion and it just oh, looks brutal so you think it's better stabbing more? I think that it depends how the scene is created. Yeah. Both can be equally as effective. I get quite desensitised. It's like watching a gangbang. See after <laughs> see after the fourth cock comes in, you get desensitised to it. So there could be eighteen cogs. You don't really care anymore. So it's like so it's like so if you're like watching so like you get the end you're looking for like four money shots or just like skip to the end and see how many she actually gets. So the one stabs <laughs> is just like yeah, if it if it then it's a, a facial compilation after it's done you're like from the <laughs> that one big build up to that big extreme fucking facial <laughs> that's the one that oh do you know what yeah, that got me <laughs> don't know why I'm compared to that <laughs> fucking mulligan <laughs> uh, so creep 
Um, what does it say? Um, yeah, no, I, I, I really actually quite liked it. Um, I'm giving it a decent seven animal fucking stories out of ten. So that the only animal fucking stories you need. Seven. Yep. Yeah. I don't want to give the same score as you. No, I mean it was it was a it was a good effort. Uh, it was a good, well acted, well scripted. I mean there was maybe some kind of weak points in the script and stuff, but it was um, support it was, independent cinema. It's on Netflix. Watch it. Huh? Rate it five stars because I really liked it. Yeah, it was good. Okay, rate it four stars. I rated it four stars, yeah. Yeah. It's not overboard. I'd, I'd probably give it a seven, but it was clever. Mm. It was a found footage film that hasn't, it's not still crawling through the fucking mud like all other found footage films. It's actually done something a wee bit fresher, a wee bit new. Yeah, good. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I liked it. Don't watch the Mindy Project though. Watch all these other things. Mindy mm. Project's fucking terrible. Fuck Mindy, man, just a bitch. I, I don't find her funny. I don't find her funny. I don't find women funny. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Anyway, I just want to clear this up. That is not. No, uh, I'm, just actually, gonna, I'm going to cut all I don't this actually, out. <laughs> I don't actually uh, believe that statement. I do find women funny. I uh, I just sometimes I found women comedians not funny, and I've said that a couple of times. And uh, it, some some people's reactions, especially you know, like in the workplace and stuff, they weren't too happy with that statement. <laughs> but to be right, well, Kirsten Wig, yeah, and Melissa McCarthy, hilarious. Melissa McCarthy, hilarious. UK comedians. Sarah Milligan, shit. I don't mean Sarah Milligan. Oh, who's she's the woman, who's, so who's the woman that does the, puts the half uh, ventriloquist on and gets them to the audience? I think she's quite good. I used to know her name, but I forget it now. I don't know who that is. She's funny. Was that on Britain's Got Talent? No, she's a proper comedian. She's on like, Live at the Apollo. Uh, yeah. and there's another, I, I, I just I don't think, do you know how I, do you, I don't think it's funny? Uh, what's the hell her name? That lassie's name? The, the big tranny looking one. What is her name? The blonde lassie, she's not, I don't think she looks oh, like no, a tranny, no, no. but... Um, I'm talking about the one that looks like a guy. There's like right. seven, seven foot and his shoulders are a rugby player. No, that's not what I'm thinking of. Oh, what is her name? She was in uh, the midwife thing. Oh, oh Miranda. Miranda, she is fucking <laughs> horrid. Oh, there's none for... It actually, it puts me off watching her because of that stupid voice and the turkey neck and I just... Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's not a sexist thing because if a guy looked like that, I'd hate him as well. Oh, you get shite guy comedians as well. Oh, you absolutely get shite guy. It's just probably because there's probably more shite guy comedians that you just notice that the like you find yeah. there's more funny ones. So it's it's a wider kind of cross cross section uh, because there's uh, there's get obviously there's getting more and more and that's good. There should be more and more female comedians because it is it, well, perhaps for a while it was a smaller number. You could see that there was maybe so if you've only got five people and three are shit, then you've got to say yeah. that, that all female comedians are shit. So, you don't need to reason it. I think Melissa McCarthy's one of the best actresses right now. Me too. See, I, I cannot wait to see Ghostbusters. All you fucking haters going suck it up your asses. Do you know, a part a part of me is looking forward to it. No, I think it's going to be quite good. I don't think I've read some reviews and it says it's it's, it's, it's good. It doesn't take away from the original film. The original film still exists. If it annoys you that much, go and watch it. But Jenny, that's weird though. It was coming out that there was going to be female Ghostbusters, and it was like, oh, I'm really excited because it's women. Or oh, it's going to be fucking terrible. And then it comes out and like the newspapers give it three stars. Like what? You, yeah. can't, you can't just sit in the fence. I know. You've built this up that it's going to be terrible or it's going to be brilliant. But I don't know what the I don't know what the numbers are like for it for it. And it's and it's I don't know if that was its open, that was its opening weekend. But the publicity. Yeah, it's, it's massive. I think you'll find, probably find more people will make a point of going to see it if they think if if people are saying it's going to be so shit, it's going to be so shit. Yeah. Than if people say, oh, I cannot wait for this. Movie. I defy anyone to find a movie with Melissa McCarthy that I won't find hilarious. The, he- uh, the boss, the- watch the boss, and then you might. Ah, uh, it's not that good. She wears this weird neck thing. I swear to God, if I keep saying the heat and you keep talking over. <laughs> <laughs> the heat. Uh, but Sandra Bullock's oh, in that. Oh, it's brilliant. 
Aye, Sandra Bullock's a babe. That's what I'm saying. Lena I used to think Sandra Bullock was a, was a man because she had an Adam's apple and I was quite younger. <laughs> I was like, is she... Because I, because I still find her attractive, so is Aye. that... I mean, is that an outcome question? And it was like, you Hanson that I had to question myself. Oh, by the way, I seen Hanson singing a 20-year anniversary version so of pop, and it's fucking brilliant. But Why is that, not- Zach is no longer a good-looking one. <laughs> <laughs> Why are those guys not singing all the time? I think they are. Their harmonies are on point. Bob, they came out with us and said that in Bop, everyone sings it their own way. Everyone does the harmonies their own way. Like, nobody can ever match them. I don't know what they mean by that, because I don't think it's that hard. That's quite big-headed, that is, isn't it? Yeah, well, come on. It's Hanson. It's Hanson. Who would have done fucking I mean, actually went by a Hanson album and see their, their harmonies. Like, I was why like the first CD them. singles I ever got? The first CD single I ever bought myself was um, Cartoon Heroes by Aqua. Fair enough. <laughs> Me and my brother once done a, a, a karaoke competition in Tenerife. We were done Barbie Girl and we won. And I was fucking raging because he made me go Ken. And Ken had the shit as parts. <laughs> he was Barbie. And we actually, there's a wee Taiko RC video camera came out once. It only filmed in black and white. I got it for Christmas. And we made a, a, a music video. And signed Barbie Girl. And we used Sean's remote, my wee sister, a remote control Barbie car. And it drove out of the room with Barbie and Ken. And we used them as if they were talking. It was me and James dancing inside. <laughs> I'm Does glad. Exist? I know, I hope to God it doesn't exist. Probably saying that if I was ever famous, it would be brought out and go. That would be ah, found, yeah. Remember when you were eight and you did this? And I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, fucking do. How good of you? You'd need to own it. You'd need to own that. You couldn't just. You couldn't be embarrassed with that if somebody anybody pulled it out and like put it. I've just brought it up, but I would. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine with it. <laughs> I, I like to see this. I hope it exists. I hope I see it someday. I, I don't. I, I doubt it. My mum and dad recorded over all my. Like achievements and stuff has grown yeah, up. All, all all your, your, yeah, all the videos. All your first steps and your first words. They had. They had James. And they done like they we did quite a bit. they recorded like him and then when I came just recorded all the same tapes. So it get to like <laughs> James going like do his his like first day at school and it cut to me on my first Christmas and like James would run about in the background going, Mum look at me, look at me and he's like, Aye James okay and he just kept filming me and then it got to a point where then all my films are recorded over with Sean and Daniel. So all the child videos are all Sean and Daniel. Apart from one where I sound like a camp little boy <laughs> and I'd still bring it up. So you still kind of sound like that, though? It's, it's weird. James says something, I go, James, don't nag, nag, nag me. <laughs> me, me. So much sass. Mom says they were convinced I was gay for years. Could potentially still be. Could potentially still be. Don't tell Lena that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, creep. Now on to The Invitation. The Invitation. Another movie on Netflix that you can watch right now from 2015. Directed by Karen Kusama, who directed Jennifer's Body and Girl Fight. Quite a, I assume quite a strong feminist, because Jennifer's Body was a very pro pro female movie. I loved it. it really uh, I watched it once. Uh, sorry, I think I can't really remember it uh, that much. I enjoyed it, <laughs> but after you just said about female comedians, I understand why you don't like it. <laughs> You're sexist, pink. <laughs> uh, the invitation. A wee synopsis. Will and Eden were once a loving couple. After a tragedy took their son, Eden disappeared. Two years later, out of the blue, she returns with a new husband. And as a different person, eerily changed and eager to reunite with her ex and those she left behind. Over the course of a dinner party in the house that was once his, the haunted well is gripped by mounting evidence that Eden and her new friends have a mysterious and terrifying agenda. But can we trust Will's holding on, re- on reality, or will he be the unwitting catalyst of the doom he senses? Before we go any further, do you want to give major spoilers and tell folk to go watch this before we talk about it? Or do you think it's not really worth it just listening to us fucking ruin it for you anyway? 
Aye, well, I mean, this this is your this is your point to pause it if you're going to go watch this movie before you come back to us. Uh, we will spoil the ending, but you knew that already because we spoil every movie. Yeah. Much <laughs> my, like coherence. This is a film that some people love, some people hate. It's a slow burn, but if you're going to persevere with it, the ending. Yeah, to yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a first reverse it at the end that um that does kind of speed it up. It sounds like it sounds like the ending's going to be a payoff if you persevere. Uh-huh. So. If you want to watch it, stop now, and then tune back in in like ten minutes where we'll talk about all shit. Do you have notes for this one? Did you watch it? Or did you? Did you uh, just... I watched it, but I was watching it while I was alphabetizing my DVDs right. when you man cave. The priorities so, are correct. <laughs> so I've got notes for the start. I kind of faded away near the end, and obviously you then told me the ending. So right, I've got down the opening jump scare. What is it to prove? And then when I watch the end of the movie, it just proves nothing. It proves nothing. <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing needed for that for him to run down a dog on the way to the party. Um, so I pretty much just wrote it as it goes. So basically, the the guy who gets he gets invited to a dinner party with his ex wife and um, old old friends, and you think that it's when I when I thought of this movie, I thought it was going to be some kind of weird sinister thing where they would all kind of bully him and pick on him, and it would be really hard to watch. And it would be like, whoa, this is this is intense, man. Yeah. You really get out of there. Um, till eventually I thought it was going to escalate and escalate and escalate and then him, them all kind of killing him and getting out of hand or whatever at the end, but that's not how it went. Um, it turned out that nobody really knew why they were there. No, none of them had really seen each other for a, a while that they kind of kept in somewhat touch, but they had all kind of been invited kind of almost out of the blue. Yeah. So he walks in and he sees his ex-wife and um, or he meets everybody else. He's brought his new girlfriend. And um, then he kind of there's a scene where she comes down the stairs, and I was like, he still loves his patronising bitch of an ex-wife. Man. She was a cow. She was a cow. She also looked about twenty years older than him. Not that that matters, but yeah, there was something really weird about her. everything. Face, yeah. Um, Fuck her face. Should should I recognise that main character? I feel like I should recognise him. Well, uh, he was in Prometheus, which right. I fell asleep during. Uh, he was also Hardy. He does. He uh, looks like he looks very much Tom Hardy. He was a mechanic in Devil. And oh yeah yeah that's right so he was angry like that uh, but the other guy the see like the guy that runs his party like uh-huh. his bird's new man yeah he's in Game of Thrones he's Daenerys his kind of right hand man who wasn't the original guy but just came in like season 3 they just fucking switched right. characters so for Game of Thrones fans it's that guy so I so I'm watching it. So like when he comes into the party and everybody's catching up, that's when I was realised it was like so rather than all being in a joke against a protagonist, they're all unaware why why they're why they're at the party, and then they start talking, and I'm like I feel like he's gonna get ritualistically slaughtered. That's what it seemed. That's what they're yeah. like because they're talking because the the husband and wife like the new the ex wife and her new man are like talking about kind of culty stuff and about this religion, and I'm like somebody's got to off themselves at this party. Is um, it Angus when they show the video? See when they show the first yeah. the video of why they've got them there? Yeah, they show the video of a woman killing herself. Killing herself, yeah. Um, to show that there's nothing to be scared of. And I'm like, ah, that's fucking bullshit. That's like getting uh, getting into the queue for a roller coaster to say that the roller coaster isn't scary. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's not the fact, it's not the actual, like, when your heart stops and you die, that's the scary part. It's the afterwards, it's to, the nothing afterwards. To me, it's more being in a queue for a roller coaster and then someone kills themselves at the front. <laughs> <laughs> Strathclyde Park. <laughs> It's it's, <laughs> it's current and up to date. So the best guy in it, I thought I know your notes are running through it, is that John Carroll Lynch. So he exactly. plays his friend, the guy who then starts telling the, the story about his how he served time in prison. Oh, this is the the big guy who yeah. pre or something his name is? Aye. 
He plays he plays like the Carol and Zodiac, and I'm sure he plays John Wayne Gacy in something. Oh, I he, he actually may do. I, he's quite is American Horror Story. American Horror Story. That's exactly. He's what it is. got a recognisable face, but um, somewhere you won't recognise him from. But I certainly did. Was The Walking Dead. Oh. He played uh, Eastman, who was uh, Morgan's trainer. Now, and I will admit that it was a boring episode. Um, oh really? Yeah. They say they said they, they said it was a backstory, but I say filler. But that's my Walking Dead shoe. I'd, I'd say the full thing's fucking filler. I'm, I'm actually quite gutted now that the past I'm few managing weeks... managing to do it? No. Oh, I'm you've fucking, done it I'm, I'm setting you up for the shoe horns. <laughs> fucking hell, man. I just can't wait till it comes back. Because like 13 weeks till it comes back. Is <laughs> it actually? Yeah. I only just finished like four weeks ago. No, it's finished in February. The um, Fear of the Walking Dead comes back in August and then the actual Walking Dead comes back in October. They need to just... Stop it. They need to go to something Why? else. Why? It was so successful and the best TV nah. show on television. Have you watched Preacher? No. Oh, Preacher's good. Preacher's really good. I don't know. They say that about Outcast as well. And no, I know. Preacher, Preacher's enjoyable. Anyway. Back to the invitation. Um, there was a bit that something happened that I've written down here and I missed a bit there. But, uh, there was a wild venom in my back garden and I had to go, <laughs> I had to go and take care of it. <laughs> a wild what? Venom <laughs> Scott's playing Pokemon Go in case for anyone <laughs> anyone older <laughs> doesn't understand it's do you know what, it, what it's about it though like I'm, I'm up for playing it right but see when I'm sitting in the house I can't do anything it, they literally want me to go outside and walk about the streets where I live and, and, and walk close to these monuments I'm not up for doing that <laughs> see when I told that there was some there was a Pokestop in Tesco car park but it said I wasn't close enough I had to go and stand under right. the humorous giraffe shaped lamppost I was like I'm not I'm not getting out and doing that I was, I'm, we were the same with that was why why is Tesco got a humorous giraffe do you know what the humorous giraffe lamp, lamppost isn't there anymore because the giraffe cafe has been sold so it's 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 still a lamppost. So it's showing up in thingy, it's just a lamppost now. So I'm walking about the car park trying to find it, couldn't find it, because it's no looks there's no giraffe card anymore. I just see how you put your name in. Your name I can imagine is your name, because when I tried to do it today, <laughs> I had to put my name in. But is that not just a paedophile's dream? Walking about, something goes up and go, Oh, are you are you Scott? And you go, Yeah, oh, I'm friends, your dad, come with me. I've got Pokemon. <laughs> My well, have you not seen the, have you not seen the picture uh, at Pennywise down the drain? Hey, Georgie, there's Pokemon <laughs> down here. <laughs> but hang on, Peter's probably won't use it because it's all adults that do it. You're doing it. Layla's Pokemon, she told me to slow down because I fucking drowsy was hanging about the bus stop <laughs> today. Uh, it's all adults that do it and I can't get into it because I'll, I've got such an addictive personality. I'll be fucking Usain Bolt running about trying to get See, Pokemon. I don't, um, I want to get into it but I really don't want to do the whole actually walking about physically doing the bits. What you want to do is get the old Pokemon game and play that. that that's probably what I should do. I should probably just do that. But so you know how, did you, did you see, did you watch the movie far enough to um, see that they almost became swingers? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was thinking, I was like, I thought this movie would be more horror and less. Yeah, so she, she wants to winch the, the guy that I assumed was gay. I'm pretty sure is gay. She winched, no, she winched the fat guy who was there on his own, I think, or were there with the blonde lassie. No, there was, there was a gay oh, couple. Oh, shit, there was two, two yeah. guys, yeah. I just thought, I don't know, there was something about him that I thought was gay. And then, um, like, because the first bird smooches one, the lassie his boyfriend, did they turn up for ages? And, but they were all acting as if they were, like, in high school. Yeah. You know, like, see, like, if I'm at a party and a bird starts smooching another bird, I'm like, when they're not, and they're not, and they're not, like, in a lesbian relationship, they're just actually doing it for, like, a kind of shock value. I'm like, right, like, I'm not 15 yeah. and I don't, what you, I, I don't get it. I get that throughout it, all, none of the characters, well, apart from, the main one's not likeable, 
the the main guy because he's so serious, the Tom Hardy guy. Aye. Like I, I completely agree with him with his depressed, cynical view on life. But none of them are really that likable and the rest of the party you you kinda start to hate them all. So that, I think that's why I get a, it's not that I get bored, but maybe I did. I, I didn't really find anything to connect to any of the characters. I know because that's what I was. There was nothing. I couldn't work it out because every time, every time he thought there was something sinister happening at the party, it was again plausibly excused as yeah. it was in creep. So it was like in this movie, the, he would think something's going on, something's not right, and then they would they would give a plausible explanation as to why it was fine, and so they would stick around and stay at this party. They would have their their dinner, mm-hmm. uh, which kind of looked like similar to the medieval feast that I had in my head without the bread. Uh, Scott texts me a few nights ago <laughs> with this. <laughs> To be honest, genius yeah. idea for a, a dinner party. Would you like to tell? Yeah, we're going to have, I'm going to arrange a medieval feast. And essentially, I'm just going to have... There's not going to be like any specific dinner that's going to be cooked. There's just going to be like a big bit of meat. Maybe like a, as much pork shoulder or belly as I can get, or just a couple of big chickens, and then put them on the table. Uh, just put on like bread, like loaves, you know, like big tiger loaf, just uncut, just on the table. Slices of cheese uh, and grapes as well, because you need the grapes at the same time. And then we're just going to drink out of flagons of ale. Or is that pirates? Goblets of Goblet. ale, and we're going to dress like Game of Thrones, and I'm going to because I'm going to be the king because I'm going to host it. I'll be like a wee bit higher than everybody else, and then we'll just get merry. And I might even you're always higher than everybody else. <laughs> I might even um, <laughs> I might even hire a minstrel. I'm not sure yet if that even exists. What a, bl- a, a black no 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 not a blackface. First, <laughs> first you shoot down women comedians and now you start hiring blackface. I don't no not blackface minstrels just like an actual minstrel for the medieval no. times. Although I do have that record that I bought that's got the blackface minstrels on it. I can't believe you bought that. <laughs> you're, pa- you're painting yourself in blackface. Do you, do you, no, do you know why? I, do, I, do you know why I bought it? Because because that existed. See, you got like folk got a Holocaust yeah. tonight. I, I just you cannot just in case somebody decides to say that it needs racism throughout the years. Just like, people are racist. Channel Four had a documentary once. And it was like, oh, it was okay to do it in the seventies, and it's all shit that yeah. you, you know now. And the minstrels were there, and mom and dad were like, that was just Saturday night entertainment. Folk doing blackface. Yeah. And you're like, how? How did they get away with that? That is fucking shocking. I don't know. I don't understand how people could think think differently. How 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 it changed to now? Obviously, seen like obviously that is unacceptable. I, I feel really bad because I can, I'm rubbish at impressions. Like you can do voices and accents. I can't. The only one I can do is Al Johnson. I said Al Johnson. How I love you. How I love you, Swanee. <laughs> That's the only accent I can do. And it's sad because I can't do it in public. And what you didn't see there is the fact that because Liam's edited the time down, he actually spent about 25 minutes in blackface and up to do that impression. <laughs> and, <it was> pretty <laughs> and now I'm sad completely in blackface. <laughs> um, so, that's, that was probably the weirdest digression we've had in the 21 episodes. Quite proud of that one. Yeah. Wait, but I've got no idea what's going on in this movie. Like I was asking, are these people all innocent? Uh, is somebody trying to top themselves? Are they all in it together to try and get Will, the main character, to top himself? Yeah, I have no idea. I think it, it feels like the whole movie hangs on the question, is Will going mental or is everyone else around going completely psycho? Because he's constantly freaking out. Yeah. Lo- the guy locks the door, Will's freaking out. He's freaking out at every fucking little thing. But everybody else is a creepy bastard. Yeah. So... I don't know. It's quite it's quite a basic movie, but it's again, it's it's 
It's very similar to Creep. It's actually a good pairing because there's a lot of similarities. It's just characters in a house. I never meant it. <laughs> yeah. It's just characters in a house. Uh-huh. And it's all kind of script driven and it's and it's it's that's what it is. I like the acting. See the guy that plays well, the uh, Logan Marshall Green. Mm-hmm. I think he's very very good at the the dark, cynical, sarcastic, bleak, fucking depressed outlook. Yeah. But is that just him? Because anything else I've seen him in is a dark, cynical, depressed. <laughs> but everything the audience experience everything through him. He's like a proxy that we all experience the the dinner party we we try and understand what's going on everything is through him and I think he's quite a convincing lead character he, he carries it well albeit it ends up quite boring halfway through yeah. but I think he's the strongest in it I think Although so I, I made absolutely no point there I think no, I, I'm, still, I'm still Al Jolson in my head <laughs> <laughs> no it's uh, no I, I do I agree with you say he, he, I mean we watch the movie through his essential eyes, eyes almost yeah because we get his flashbacks to when they had the son and stuff as, as well when they were married and happy and, and whatever like, else. Be, be, because he's seen everything as a like it's building up with like, an increasing kind of fucking suspicion you're experiencing that as well so you're uh-huh. constantly going oh they've moved that glass Is it, what, what's up with that why are they doing that and yeah. then you're starting to question all the wee things which is probably a good part of the movie I think that's probably my, the only bit out of this that I really came away I would watch again for that. I yeah. enjoy I enjoyed those little tiny bits. I um I moved on to my second page of notes and I don't know how far between the last note on page one where it says I have no idea what's going on in this movie, uh to when I wrote the first note on page two, which is I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> <You> <laughs> I, mean, I mean I I mean I can I, I knew it was going on, I can get the gist of it, but I, c- I couldn't work out where it was going, I think that's what I'm really meaning. I couldn't work out Was it raining today? Was it raining? Yeah. No. Was there a magic carp in the garden? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I had to ask the rain thing because I can't remember any name of any other Pokemon apart from <laughs> So I, But then I was like, wait, are they all drinking the Kool-Aid? And then I was like, boom, there's the flip. Is it only took an hour and 20 fucking minutes, but there's there's the flip. They they, they were all they were drinking the, they all, so they all toasted this wee kind of looks like a sherry glass they've got a wee kind of shot of, of, of booze and they all toast and they go to drink it but then Will freaks out again and like slaps the drinks out of everybody's hands and says don't drink it don't drink it don't drink it and they're like what the fuck are you playing it and then one of the girls who is a, like a, an external friend not like one of the old friends if you imagine there's a dinner party of old friends plus two extra new people so the girl says you've ruined everything and attacks him and he kind of fends her off and throws her into the corner she hits her head off a uh, bookcase and falls to the deck one of the guys uh, is a doctor so he tries to do CPR and bring her back and then somebody's like she's not breathing and he's like no she is and he's like, I don't mean her and we go over and one of the friends one of the girls has actually drank the, the wine and she's I'm still dead. drinking Kool-Aid yeah she's drank the Kool-Aid <laughs> and uh, she's dead so then we see that I that, that he was right these people are fucked and who's fucked we don't really know and obviously then we work out that it's the the, the, the ex-wife's new man his pal who was in The Walking Dead and this bird who's attacked their main character and also the wife, she was a, she was aware of it as well. The ex-wife was aware of it. So those four people were aware that they were going to kill six or yeah. seven of their pals plus themselves because of this the kind of cult religion thing they've been talking about before uh, before it went. But one thing is like the girl who drank the drank the poison, see when you, like, you go back to her face, she looked really dead. It was really kind of, yeah. it was creepy looking and I was like that. But I, I also written down here when I think, um, I don't think it was when she attacked him the first time, 
that when she gets back up, the girl who gets her head hit and she comes after him again, somebody else, I'm like, fucking punch fuck with that crazy bitch. <laughs> like, for real, like, 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 at this point, when people are dead, like, just somebody, trap the nut on her. Just, just properly <laughs> kick, kick a fucking right in, in the. Kick a gun in. It's not common theme. <laughs> I think the, the mood and the tone in the movie were really, really well done. Yeah. Like, I, I'm trying to find all the positives in it because I don't, I don't want to slate it because it wasn't bad. It was just too slow. See, when you go, so basically, like, they, they kind of go about and then folk get shot and somebody gets stabbed, and more or less all of them die except our main character and his new girlfriend and one of the the doctor's husband. He survives and he uh, comes and kind of saves him at the end. But the woman, the ex wife, she's like just like has a gun at the end and she just points it and to kill yourself, would you point it to your belly? Would you ever point the gun to your belly? No. And shoot yourself. No, you wouldn't. Literally, that is like fucking. Although you can, I don't think you can ever survive a gunshot to the stomach. You don't think you can ever survive a gunshot? I don't. I I think that's one of the places that if you shoot, you will eventually die, because it bursts all the shit inside you. Yeah, or stomach acid, and that's and it's very hard to come back for a stomach, uh, a stomach Um, bullet. Because people don't know. Because fifty cent gets shot eight times or nine times. Did you say fifty cent? Fifty cent. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking gangster skull over there. Yeah, I'm down with that G. <laughs> <laughs> he he gets shot nine times and survived. I think he gets shot in the stomach though. He gets shot in the chest, not really not. He gets shot in like. I but I think there's all about you can get shot and you'll still survive because it's missed all the main organs. I think if you actually if you bust the stomach, think of it. I know what I eat. I don't want that in any other part of my body. I want it in my stomach and out as quickly as possible because it's fucking horrid, like kebabs and shit. So, if you get shot in the stomach and then the stomach acid mixed with kebab goes all inside you, you're fucked. How, how, do, how do they fix that? But then it's, it's like getting shot anywhere, isn't it? No. Well... Because if, if you get shot in the lung, you're fucked. But there's nothing really coming out of that. Yeah. <laughs> ear. Ear's not going to hurt the rest of your body. you still got one lung. It's fine. You can live with one kidney. I think you can live with one lung. <laughs> no, you can't live with one lung. You're right, it's difficult to breathe and it's really hard, hard to get this, <coughs> but you can live. But you, so can you can't live with no stomach. No, you can. Can you? Yeah, you can just get peg fed um, food straight into your lower intestine. Is that true or are you taking a piss? No, I think, no, I think you can live with that stomach. Really? People can live with their legs, man, and arms and that. There's a, a difference between living without a leg and living without No, like a half stomach. a body, like, like nearly like half a body. People can live without, without buttholes and that. You're talking about a girl from Freaks. Like well, it's all right, American Horse though. The stumpy lady. Exactly, yeah. Stumpy yeah, lady. She's got a stomach. But she. And cows have four of them. Cows wouldn't have four of them if they weren't necessary. I don't know why cows have four stomachs. Why do they have four stomachs? Because they eat so much grass. I don't. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> 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 uh, that's, oh, yeah, and then, right, so that's the <laughs> I, I thought I'd go back to the movie. The, the only thing that's left of that movie is. That um, they walk out into the into the garden and you can hear sirens kicking about in in the in the in the air and uh, they walk through the back of the garden and earlier on you'd seen the 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 new the ex wife's new man light a red uh, lantern in the back of the garden and they kind of made a point here but you don't really kind of pay attention and at the end of the movie the main character walks to the end sees the the red lantern and he has that kind of look of realization on his face to then it shows you the early hills and there's a lot of back gardens with red lights hanging from them as if to say that this religion has recruited a bunch of people to have parties all on that one night which is kind of cool but I mean it, that doesn't matter it, does, it doesn't explain the cult if the fact that right, what they do bring their pals to their party and kill them all what, what is the point it genuinely isn't like 
Oh, oh, that's good. It's like, I, and what, I don't care. I don't care about yeah. any of those people in any of those houses. Yeah. I barely even care about you and I've just watched you for fucking 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, it's, 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 that's what it is. That's what I feel about it. You can call it a slow burner. I call it boring as fuck. And yet you still watch The Walking Dead. <laughs> which that's is my the life, fucking, man. The, the, the pinnacle of slow burn. You slow have burn no it. idea. See if you watch burn, see, see, see if no, you watch no, the Slow Burn you after series no one. Idea. It actually I, blew was, out. After, after so much stress watching the season six finale that I thought I was going to have a heart attack. I genuinely thought I was going to have to read spoilers so that I didn't get in a situation where I died watching a TV show. That's how intense it is. This you really need to give it another chance. I grant you the prison the prison season when they were just making a farm and all that took a while to the get through. The prison season. The prison season, season two and three. Did they go to prison? I don't know. It's fucking the main point, like the beginning of the story. Yeah, I didn't get that far because it was boring as fuck. I have a short attention span. I can't sit and watch cunts funny about in a fucking farm for a full series. Doing the whole, every episode, oh, there's some more zombies. And that's the point of it. Do something a bit different. But they have done something a bit different because then you enter the world where it's like, it's, it's the survival and the, the it's people. Shit. It's not. It's a good, it's a good drama. Watch Game of Thrones. I try to, but there's, there's too many dragons. fucking weird names. I kind of keep track of everybody. And there's, there's dragons, there's tits, and there's fucking snow incest. creatures, and there's giants, and there's incest. And there's incest, yeah. Yeah. Walking Dead, we've got a zombie and a farm. Complex characters, intense storylines. Complex characters. Why then runs about with a fucking crossbow? Aye. Who has a crossbow? I want a crossbow. Do you know him to be a crossbow? There's a guy on Facebook that's got a crossbow. Who? It's a guy that. I know. Right, <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> Where would you buy a crossbow? You, get, you can buy a crossbow online, you can buy a crossbow for green sports. Right, I'm sorry, if the world's over and run by zombies, are you going to pick up a gun or are you going to pick up a fucking crossbow? If you, well, you get a crossbow, it's silent. Uh, who cares if it's silent? The zombies, the zombies hear the noise, that's why you can't shoot your gun. Right. What? The zombies hear right, the noise. If there's five the zombies coming in and you've got a crossbow, alright, it's silent. You shoot, so you one, shoot one zombie. You shoot one and then you run away and then you reload your. your so what are you running? And I don't know. Well, you've got to be fair, don't do you? Wait, what's, what's the first rule of uh, Zombieland? Cardio. What are you going to do at the end of the world if you can't even go off your ass to go and catch a fucking Pikachu? I know, but the thing is, <laughs> that's, why, that's why all my stuff's in my, in my prep zone, which is in the house of the real leaves. It just, it, it seems daft that if you can get weapons, there's plenty better weapons you can get than a crossbow. He does sometimes use a gun. If it rains, what? The wood gets all wet. It's not, it's not, it's wood, it's metal. Is it a metal crossbow? Of course it's a metal crossbow. Really? Alright. Uh-huh. I thought it was wood. No. <laughs> Can you get metal crossbows? Yeah. Mm. It's like a hunting crossbow. The legit, that one that he uses is genuinely for sale. It's like four grand, but... Four grand? Yeah. You can buy a gun for fucking half... Well, I don't know how much you can buy a I don't know what a gun is. Victor Morris used to sell the Klingon sword and it was like £300. That would probably do more fucking damage than a crossbow. Aye, so buy that as well. As well. Is it sharp? Is it a replica? Uh, you could probably sharpen it. I know, I always wondered that if you get a replica, but then you probably ruin it. But I mean, if you've got to be killing folk with it, it doesn't really matter if it looks nice or not. Yeah. Do you want what a Klingon sword for unless you're going to do some. I wouldn't get the Klingon sword, but I would get the, I would get the sword for the Walking Dead and hang it up above the fireplace. Uh, along the crossbow. Yeah, <laughs> along the crossbow. Fine. I looked at buying a crossbow just to have, in case <laughs> they're all dead, so that when you come and try and murder me, I can shoot you. What happens when you're in it, You make them. Turn of the trees a bit, Mouse. You make them with what? Trees? Wood? Right, tell, right now tell me how to make a crossbow. <laughs> you you would need a, you would probably need a, 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 a plane or one of those 
spinny things, you know, you put it on and you touch it and then you... Scott, you don't even know the, the, the <laughs> fucking instruments to make it. I, I, know, I, know how, I know how to use them because I used it once and I made a cup holder in school. So what you would do is make a cup holder and throw it <laughs> at the fucking zombies. Yeah. Right, cool. Invitation, what would you give uh, it? I give it four shite red lanterns out of ten. Well, not watch again. I didn't watch the end. I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it is... It's slow, there's good bits in it. Yeah, five. I'm going to sit banging in the middle of the fence. Yeah. It's on Netflix. If after us, kind of. Yeah, I If after you still want to watch it. <laughs> Check out on Netflix. News this week Pennywise. First look. Photo's quite Bill's cool. Good. Ah, it's alright, I mean, it's a clown, isn't it? It's a clown, but. Aye. It's alright, I mean, it's cool. It's good that it's moving forward and we're getting. They've stayed, they've stayed away from the campy Tim Curry clown. So, as if it's maybe going to be more leaning towards this actually being an entity as opposed mm-hmm. to. But then at the same time, I've seen a couple of comments, and well, a lot of them are going to look along the kind of Ghostbusters line of being fucking so butthurt that it's getting remade. Pennywise needs to be campy and kid friendly to lure kids in. Yeah. Because that was the point, yeah. So but we'll see, but we'll see how it goes. Folk are always going to piss in more. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But that was last week's episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's a picture out. Uh, for our Pennywise and it looks it could be pretty cool. cool there's a new horror anthology movie coming out called Tales of Poe and I'll just read a little bit about it based on the timeless horror works of Edgar Allan Poe who I'm getting tattooed on me on Saturday so I quite like him you got me a pocket watch mm. inscribed with Edgar Allan Poe the quote is heavily in Doctor Sleep that I'm reading just now is which it? After, I didn't realise at the time all, when I got that pocket all watch all that we see or seem is a dream oh, within uh, a dream. Yeah, dream within a dream. Yeah. Which is a cool story about that. When I was getting it engraved for you, on one side I put in the quote and on the other side, because it's an extra couple of words, it was too long to fit. So I thought, well, I'll just take some of the words. It's still kind of made the same sense. It still was. But when it arrived and I looked at it, they had add, they must have known the quote and they added the extra words in on the back. So it was over the limit, but it still fit on the... That shows the bromance that me and Scott have. <laughs> that we don't just buy each other shit, guys. We buy each other engraved pocket watches. <laughs> That's great. Uh, so it's it focuses on three of the uh, Edgar Allan Poe's stories: the Telltale Heart, the Cask of Amontillado, and Dreams. It's good. It's got a lot of famous last girls: uh, Adrian King from Friday the Thirteenth, Caroline Williams from Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two, and Amy Steele from Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, and a few others. Could be quite good. And is it going to be made? Like period, like from like his time, or is it going to be like up to date? I don't story? know. The trailer, you can't really tell. I think it looks more modern. It could be interesting. Kind of, it looks a wee bit low budget. Yeah. And with the kind of B movie stars, but I always like any kind of poor things that go on the big screen. So it'll be interesting right. to watch. Have you ever wanted to experience the horrors of the Necronomicon Ex Mortis? Yes. Necronomicon, sorry, Ex Mortis. Yes, I have. Yes, you have. Well, good. Because Space Goat Play have a Kickstarter uh, for a new Evil Dead 2 board game. Uh, it was actually you who brought us to my attention. I want to play that game right now. It's It started at uh, its Kickstarter with $70,000 and it has now made $264,249 with 3,477 backers. So... That game's getting fucking made. And I can't wait to buy it. And so, and so I've not even seen the Kickstarter yet, I just heard about the actual oh, game was in it. So are the, perks, are the perks reasonable? The perks are, I think it's like $60 to get the game. You get the game. Yeah, about $80 to get like the game earlier with some exclusive other shit. It seems decent and yeah. fair. I mean, how much does, like, how much does a, a board game go for these days? I thought it was like 30 bucks. Oh, when we were in that fucking geek shop 
not that long ago. I'm only calling it a fucking geek shop because it's called Geek Something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was like some zombie game, and I went, that looks quite cool. It was like 80 quid. It's like these proper game. tabletop games, isn't it? You need to spend like yeah. a whole night fucking learning the rules before you can even oh, play it. Fuck that. So, it looks like it's going to be really cool. If you want to check it out, it's at Kickstarter. Type in Evil Dead 2. It's there. I probably will donate to it. I'm going to look at it and I, 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 I want a, a game it and then we can uh, spend a whole night playing the game. Getting we can film ourselves playing it. That's, uh, that's the second live stream that is us playing Evil Dead and getting angry and fucking fighting each other over the rules, man. Yeah. In fact, just quickly, this Tuesday we're going to do a live stream of us watching a movie still to be decided. So get on Twitter now. Answer the poll. Answer the poll. Vote which, which movie we should watch and then join us on Tuesday. Get yourself a creative beer or Jägermeister. Yeah, or whatever you want to drink. Something to get out your tits. And watch it with us, play drinking games, and let's have some fun. Just quickly, last one, Lionsgate have slated the, the new Saw film is going to be released in October the 27th, 2017. Uh, confirmed directors are Michael and Peter Spearing, who done Daybreakers, that kind of shitty vampire film with uh. Ethan Hawke. Uh, and James Wan and Lee Wano are acting as executive producers. So... It probably the last four Saw films it'll be shit yeah so we'll it'll be shit but it'll be gory and it'll be and enjoyable the ha- other Halloween releases that have been announced so far for 2017 are also Insidious uh, part 4 which I liked Insidious I liked Insidious I like part two as well. Mm-hmm. I did like it. I mean, you, you know what you were getting? You were getting that kind of weird dreamscape world it's that they're getting. So Darth Maul at the end of the no, There's no, there's no, there's not been a horror movie I've watched for a long time uh, that is that has scared me from start to finish. And I went to see mm-hmm. The Conjuring 2 the other week there. And I don't know if you've seen it yet, so I don't want to give anything nah. away. But um, once you see it, uh, we have got a lot of issues. Bad issues or good issues? I'll keep it quiet and cool. neutral until you see it. Instead, this was actually, I went and seen the pictures and my palms get sweaty and it's the first movie that's made my palms sweaty until the end where I thought it's fucking shit. So it does end your suspension of disbelief and that's you yeah. done and you're out, you can't even get scared after that, which is good that that came at the very end of Insidious, so that's the last I, like, I wish it minutes. came in fucking Insidious 2 and then I didn't have to bother watch it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Anything else? No, I'm done. Conspiracy. Conspiracy Corner. This week, the FBI closed the books on what is now the only unsolved air piracy in American aviation history. And this week, after hearing the story, I opened the books on a possible career as a sky pirate. I just imagine like the top of like a jumbo jet, you should stand at the back, like holding onto like a flag, like Liam Scott Osborne's, <laughs> like with your pirate, like a wooden leg, and an eye patch, flying thirty thousand feet in the air. Is it thirty thousand feet? Thirty thousand feet. Her eyes are glitching. Thirty thousand feet in the air. <laughs> We're not not a metal hook, but because I don't think I get through the metal detectors. That's true. Plastic hook. Plastic hook. Plastic parrot because you can't. You need passports. You need to go in the, yeah. the hold underneath. Cost a fortune for animal passports. Uh, the case is that of DB Cooper, which isn't his real name, merely just an epithet used by the media over the forty-five years that this case has lay open. The DB Cooper name refers to an unidentified man or sky pirate who hijacked a Boeing seven two seven aircraft in nineteen seventy one and has never been located or even identified. The mystery surrounding the hijacking is pretty interesting. I say pretty interesting, I mean boys out, cool as fuck. On Thanksgiving Eve, November 24th, 1971, at Portland International Airport, a man carrying a black attache case approached the Northwest Orient Airlines flight desk and purchased a one-way ticket on flight 305 to Seattle using the name Dan Cooper. 
The flight from Portland to Seattle was a very short one, roughly around 30 minutes, which is probably about the same length of time it would take to fly from Glasgow to Newcastle. Cooper boarded the flight with his sweet black James Bond-esque suitcase and sat himself down in C-18C, which I think would be an aisle seat by my estimations, at the rear of the small plane. He ordered a bourbon and soda, and that kind of man, relaxed <laughs> back in his chair and lit a cigarette. As times were simple in the 70s, nobody cared about cabin fires at 30,000 feet in the air. At 2.50pm, right on schedule, Flight 305 took off from Portland with approximately only one-third of the seats full. Eyewitnesses on board recalled the man being in his mid-40s, between 5 foot 10 and 6 foot, wearing a black lightweight raincoat, loafers and a dark suit with a neatly pressed white collared shirt. Finishing off his smart business look was a black necktie and a muller of pearl tie-pin. Shortly after takeoff, Cooper passed a note to Florence Schaffner. What a name. <laughs> Schaffner. Uh, the on-duty flight attendant who was sitting nearest him in the jump seat at the rear door. Schaffner, who was obviously a right cocky bitch, assumed that the note contained a phone number and dropped it unopened into her purse. Cooper leaned towards her and whispered, Miss, you'd better look at that. I have a bomb. You're the bomb? Well, really, I am the bomb, but no, I have a bomb. Schaffner opened the note, which was written neatly in felt pen, and all in capitals, lowercase for pussies. <laughs> As Cooper later reclaimed the note, the exact wording is unknown, but Schaffner recalled that it indicated he had a bomb in his briefcase and that he wanted her to sit with him. She did as the note asked, and then quietly, so that no other passengers would overhear, asked to see the bomb. Cooper clicked open the briefcase, briefly showing Schaffner what appeared to be eight red cylinders, four on top of four, attached to wires coated with red insulation, which connected into a large cylindrical battery. Cooper, the swab bastard, closed this briefcase again and calmly told the stewardess that he demanded $200,000 in negotiable American currency, four parachutes, two primary and two reserves, and this guy's no fucking about, is he? No. <laughs> and a fuel truck standing by in Seattle to refuel the aircraft upon arrival. Schaffner walked to the front of the plane and into the cockpit, passing Cooper's demands on to the pilot. When she returned to the cabin, the smooth criminal was wearing a pair of black sunglasses. William Scott, the pilot, contacted the Seattle-Tacoma Airport Air Traffic Control, which in turn informed the local and federal authorities of the situation. The other 36 passengers were informed that their arrival in Seattle would be delayed because of a minor mechanical difficulty. So... Next time you're on a plane and the pilot tells you they're going to hit some minor turbulence, just remember that they're lying bastards and there's a chance you're in the middle of a hijacking. <laughs> the president of Northwest Orient Airlines, Donald Nairop, authorised payment of the ransom and ordered all employees to cooperate fully with the hijacker, since a mid-flight bomb usually doesn't give an airline company the best publicity. The aircraft entered into a holding pattern, circling Seattle for around two hours, allowing the Seattle police and the FBI time to gather Cooper's parachutes and ransom money and to mobilise emergency personnel around the airport in the event that the situation escalated violently. Imagine your 30 minute flight was delayed by, 30, by 2 hours in the air. I know. You're fucking raging, weren't you? <laughs> During the 2 hours, Schaffner recalled that Cooper appeared to be very familiar with the local terrain, making little comments about the places they were flying over. She described him as calm, polite and well spoken, totally different to the stereotypes associated with the air piracy at the time. The stereotype for air pirates. I hope they're very similar to stereotypes of sea pirates, like eye patches and pirates wooden legs. I think they are, why they? They think they would yeah. be eye. Well, why then? That's what pirate means, isn't it? Yeah. Schaffner's recollection on Cooper. Oh, sugar, he wasn't nervous. He seemed rather nice and was never cruel or nasty. He was thoughtful and calm all the time. Cooper ordered a second bourbon, paid his drink tab, offering Schaffner the change as a tip, and even asked if the ladies would like him to request meals for the flight crew during the refueling stop in Seattle. Meanwhile on the ground, the FBI had collected the ransom money from several Seattle banks, recording all the serial numbers and photographing each of the notes. 
They also offered Cooper military-issue parachutes, but he rejected them and demanded civilian parachutes with manually operated ripcords, which the Seattle police then obtained from a local skydiving school. At 5.39pm, the aircraft landed at Seattle Tacoma Airport after Cooper was told by the stewardesses that his demands had been met. He instructed the pilot to taxi the plane to an isolated yet brightly lit section of the runway and turn off all cabin lights so that no police snipers could intervene. An operations manager for the airline company approached the aircraft and delivered the rucksack filled with the ransom money and the parachutes to one of the stewardesses via the stairs at the rear of the plane. Once he had them in his possession, Cooper permitted all passengers, Florence Schaffner and a senior flight attendant to leave the plane. What a nice guy. Mm. As the plane was being refuelled, Cooper told the flight crew that he wanted them to head towards Mexico City at the slowest speed possible, without risk installing the aircraft of course, and at a maximum of 10,000 foot altitude. He also specified that the landing gear must remain deployed, the wing flaps be lowered 15 degrees and the cabin remain unpressurised. Cooper was informed that under that specific flight configuration a second refuelling would be necessary for them to reach Mexico. It was agreed that a strip in Reno, Nevada would be the next refuelling stop. Finalising his plans, Cooper requested that the plane take off with the rear exit door open and its staircase extended. This plan was rejected on the grounds that it was unsafe to take off with the stairs deployed. Cooper told him that they were talking shit and that it was safe. However, he didn't argue the point, knowing that he would just lower it himself once they were airborne. At approximately 7.40pm, the Boeing 727 took off again with only Cooper, the pilot, the co-pilot, a flight attendant and a flight engineer aboard. Two F-106 fighter jets followed behind the plane, one above and one below, just high and low enough so as to avoid being seen by Cooper. Not long after takeoff, Cooper told the flight attendant to join the rest of the crew in the cockpit, close the door and remain there. At approximately 8pm, a warning light flashed in the cockpit indicating that the stairs at the back of the plane had been set to lower. The crew also noticed a massive change in air pressure which would indicate the rear door had also been opened. At 8.13pm, the crew reported a sustained and sudden upward movement in the tail section of the 727. The pilot continued on to the next scheduled stop at Reno Airport in Nevada. At 10.15pm, the flight landed and was surrounded by local authorities, sheriff's deputies, state troopers and the FBI. Armed, they boarded the plane and assessed that Cooper was no longer on board. They recovered 66 unidentified latent fingerprints, the black clip-on tie, the muller of pearl tie clip and two of the four parachutes. I kind of hoped at this point it was going to be like that episode they fired Ted where Father Jack takes the last two shoots on the plane that's going down and uses one for himself and one for the minibar. <laughs> uh, in the early stages of the investigation, a precise search area was very difficult to define as the slightest change in speed and altitude information would totally change Cooper's projected landing point, not to mention that the length of time he remained in a freefall before opening the parachute could significantly alter his course as well. The pilots at the controls of the fighter jets didn't see anything leave the plane, either visually or on the radar, due to limited nighttime visibility and the fact that Cooper was dressed in dark clothing. The guy was a fucking genius. Very well thought out plan, as yeah. it me. Over the years, the search operation has become arguably the most extensive and intensive in US history. Countless experimental recreations and air, ground and sea searches have proved totally fruitless and no significant material evidence relating to the hijacking was found. The FBI also distributed lists of the serial numbers on each of the ransom banknotes, offering multiple rewards to anyone who could locate a match. In 1972, two other crafty criminals used counterfeit $20 bills printed with Cooper's serial numbers to swindle $30,000 from a Newsweek reporter in exchange for an interview with a man they falsely claimed was the hijacker. Again, genius. Yeah. <laughs> in 1978, an instruction placard for along the steps of a Boeing 727 was found by a deer hunter about 30 miles east of Castle Rock, Washington. 
Stand By Me, mm-hmm. which was within the flight path of Flight 305. In February 1980, an 8-year-old boy named Brian Ingram found three packets of the ransom cash on a riverbank around nine miles downstream from Vancouver, and just also in Washington. The cash was heavily disintegrated, but still bundled together with rubber bands. FBI technicians confirmed that the money was definitely from the ransom, but it was only around $3,800, all still arranged in the same order it was first given to Cooper. The discovery brought up far more questions than answers, and still nobody could understand why the three packets were found together away from the rest of the money, or why some of the bills in one packet were missing. I'd probably say the eight-year-old boy stole. Mm -hmm. In 1981, a skull was found along the same riverbank, but it was determined to be that of a Native American woman, rather than the magical sky pirate. In 1986, after protracted negotiations, the recovered bills were divided equally between young Brian Ingram and the insurance company of the Northwest Orient Airline, Ingram, obviously grown into a little money grabber, sold 15 of his $20 bills at an auction in 2008 for around $37,000, which is not too shabby. It's a good investment, I think. <laughs> there are many conspiracies floating around about the background of D.B. Cooper, with some evidence possibly pointing towards him being an ex-Air Force pilot as he knew the terrain very well from the air. Cooper was obviously a shrewd and careful planner as he requested four parachutes, leading the authorities to believe that he would take a few hostages with him to prevent any sabotage of the equipment which may also suggest him being of a military background. The mystery that surrounds this pirate of the clouds is deep. I like to think he's sitting in a bar somewhere on a beach in South America just drinking pina coladas with the guys who also escaped from Alcatraz. It's kind of like uh, the end of Shawshank Redemption, isn't it? Like yeah. Morgan Freeman turning up the beach and Tim Robbins like... Just sitting, drinking some of a pineapple. Is just that? like, yeah, man, we fucking won. <laughs> to this day, none of the 9,710 remaining bills have ever turned up and the serial numbers still remain available online for public search, just in case you're sitting with some American doors from the 70s and want to check them out. Do you know what i seen? That was um, 20p's. Uh, there was a, a run of 20p's that were printed without a date on them. And uh, if you get one, it's like, your yeah, 20p will be worth like £47 you can sell on eBay. And see, every time I'm fine, I check every 20p I can't I ever imagine see. it, you would. You need quite a lot of them, though, to make fucking $37,000. Only a few days ago, uh, at the start of this week, the FBI decided to once and for all, unless any real significant evidence turns up, to close the case and leave it unsolved, so as to focus on more up-to-date cases. Special Agent Frank Matoya Jr., what a name, said of the case... We would love to have solved this, there's no question about it, to see justice served. And it doesn't feel good to acknowledge that to this day is the only unsolved skyjacking in American history. But that happens sometimes. Either we're not able to solve it or much time passes before it can be resolved. There are a lot of mysteries out there and this is just going to have to be one of them. I like to think this guy is still I mean, spending this money and thinking, fuck he, the lot. What, potentially, if you see between, he was between 20 and 30, how, how old would he be now? What, what year did it start? I think, he, I think he was like 40, so he would, oh, probably, he would probably be 70 in his 70s. Could be. I mean, if you've got that money and you're that guy's smart. Guy's a genius. He made me think that he's maybe like the, the inspiration for like Ocean's Eleven that, because he doesn't need to be yeah. hidden, because nobody knew who he was, so he could have been anybody. Because it. it was a back in that time, you could just go up and say, he's a ticket for the plane, just give you one. Yeah. He picked a small plane. That not a lot of folk were on it. It was only half an hour. He got his fucking demands. He knew. I know. He knew what what happened to the US never negotiates with terrorists? Yeah. Because that's what, that's what the mistake was. That's yeah. what they learned after he that. Paid them straight away. He knew how to take the fucking ladders down. He knew how to skydive. He knew he wanted four parachutes, although apparently the two that, that he used were the worst out of the four. 
sort of kind of suggesting that but maybe he wasn't as like smart yeah uh, and one of them had the two two of the main cords cut off which they think he used to wrap the money around his stomach but where would the money go because he couldn't spend yeah, he must it. have gave the money a parachute money or where's it, where's it been uh, he's never spent it because he's never it showed up because it was a point in doing it if you're going to spend it to just fuck the system get it to auction just tell somebody he's found it now and sell it at auction for a fortune I think it's a Genius thing. You obviously you can do it now, or could you? Probably yeah, there's always a, there's always a way to think of something new. If I had to a black clip on tie, they couldn't can even tie a tie, <laughs> and yet you could tie Jack a plane. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So now it's episode twenty one, a bit long. I apologise if you've had better things to do. <laughs> Doubt it. As always, uh, you can catch us in all the usual places. But for something to tell you, you're now a new place you'll be able to catch us uh, starting from next week. Um, we are going to be having a 10 minute slot on our, our now f- new friend Chris's uh, radio show Noise Level Critical Hellride it's a, a rock show and it goes out every Thursdays live between 6 and 8pm UK time but it streams off of an American website called rockstarsglued.com uh, so um, and your time spans and time zones will tell you different but um, tune into that uh, we're going to have like I say a 10 minute uh, chat discussing something new every week for regular podcast listeners you know you can get us an email at scottandleamversusevil at hotmail.com you can get us on twitter at scottandleamversus and you can get us on facebook just search scottandleamversusevil and you'll bring up the facebook page and the facebook group so like and join both of them and get interacting with us get on twitter pick your movie for us to watch next Tuesday and then download camcord app and join in my mum's always said that I had a face for radio so what are you saying about this <laughs> See you next week. Cheers. Bye.